Hello. Welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter. This week, we were thrilled to welcome William from Future Islands to our show. He just released some amazing solo music as well. I hope you enjoy our chat. Welcome to Why Not Both. Thanks. Thanks for having me. <laughs> Thank you for making the time to come on our show. Um, it's a weird time. Usually I ask people, what do they do and what's a better question to ask? But now I just leave it kind of open-ended like, hey, what's been going on the last few months? Yeah. Uh, um, we, right now we are, I'm getting, we're getting rid of some couches that we have at our house because we have this dog who loves to um use them uh as the bathroom and you know, <laughs> we tried to train him and we're just, we're not having success with that and oh, we, even, no. we even like had it professionally cleaned at one point and uh just my, my wife was like I, I don't even want to sit on this couch so, <laughs> we're, we're just getting rid of them that's what's happening today and we're, we're getting a bunch of cool like um like decorative and funky like floor pillows so we're gonna we're, we're going completely minimalist in that room um you know so there'll be there'll be no couches just kind of floor um floor vibe i love that quite accidentally your dog has completely informed your interior decorating yeah so we I, we're, we're both pretty excited about it and we have a plan for when we're not sitting on the pillows so like you know elevate them so he can't pee or poop on them <laughs> <laughs> I'm just imagining like guests coming in and being like, wow, what made you think of this space? And you're like, well, our dog erroneously thought that couches were bathrooms. So yeah. therefore we had to get rid of all of the couches. <laughs> yeah, we, have, we, have, we, have, we do have uh, another couch upstairs uh, that, that he does not, he has not gone on yet. So we also have a chihuahua who she, you know, when we got her, we, heard that these like little puppy pads would be good for her to, like for in the winter when it's really icy yeah, and really yeah, yeah. or when it's raining like um she just knows to go on these little puppy pads uh -huh. so and, but in the same way she also likes to go on any kind of rugs that we have oh, so no. can't really have rugs but 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 he doesn't use the puppy pads he just goes straight for the couch <laughs> anyway we have, we have two dogs. We have a that is so funny. Well, and also when you have dogs, like one of the dogs sometimes not necessarily will pick up the behavior, but they'll like kind of take the lead from the other dog. Like they're like, well, I guess if you're doing this, like, should I do this too? Like, right. I'm a dog. I guess I'll just do what the other dog's doing. <laughs> like, I, see, I see you've already claimed the puppy pads. I'll take, uh, how about, I'll take the couch. How's yeah. That? Yeah. They're like, you got that one. I got this one. Okay, cool, cool. Go team. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh my gosh. I'm just imagining that you're going to suddenly have to open like a meditation space after this based on how you're describing your interior space. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be good for meditation. Uh, Here we go. Yeah. That's, yeah, because I did, I Googled you as one does before one interviews. Um, and by one, I mean, occasionally I remember to do that because I'm a responsible human being. Um, and I was like, oh, you released ambient music. <laughs> and that, that's probably also why meditation popped in my brain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, I, I haven't always meditated. I, started, I got into it in uh, 2018. I uh, learned, uh, I learned transcendental meditation. Oh, wow. And I try to be really regular with it. I don't think I've missed a day, you know, so twice a day, 20 minutes, twice a day. Yeah, and and I've, I've, I've been wanting to make a solo record for for many years. Um, just been kind of something I've kind of been thinking about in the back of my mind. Um, the meditation really helped me find the space to create the album, I think, hmm. or uh, find the like actual, actual, actual space, but also the, the mental space, you know, hmm. like make time for it in real life, but also finding a, a space for it in my mind, that makes sense. That does. Yeah. I'm curious about Transcendental Meditation, having read David Lynch's book, um, Catching the Big Fish. Yeah, yeah, that's the, that's the, the first book that I read about it, you know, I was really, I was really um, cautious because it's it's expensive to learn, you know, and uh, and yeah, so I, I did a lot of research and I, I thought about it for a while. I, I've been thinking about learning TM for a couple years before mm -hmm. finally I was like, you know what, let's just do this. I just want to. So, um, my wife and I uh, learned together. We, we actually met with the um, creative director of the David Lynch Foundation. She was talking with uh, Future Islands about playing um, his Festival of Disruption. Oh, wow. Uh, but it, it hasn't worked out yet because just our schedule and the schedule of the festival just has not aligned yet. But yeah, I, yeah. We'd, we'd love to do it. But um, in that meeting, like, you know, she was. I was more curious about talking with her about TM and how we could possibly learn. And um, so, she, anyway, she, she put me in touch with a, with a um, teacher in uh, New York. So we, we went up to New York City um, for spent a week up there and learned oh. late July 2018. Wow. And had you practiced any form of meditation prior to that, or had it just like sparked your interest in particularly transcendental meditation? I had tried you know, mindfulness, meditation. And, um, I had read other books about, about meditation. Um, what I like about, and, and the thing is like different kinds of meditation affects different brain waves. So they have mm -hmm. much different effects on you um, physiologically um, when, you, when you do it. And what I like about TM is it's just this kind of automatic thing that happens um, uh, without, there, you kind of, you don't focus on anything. There's no focus. Whereas like, you know, other types of meditation tell you to focus on the breath or 
try to let your thoughts come and go, but don't, you know, and thoughts enter your mind when you're doing TM as well, but mm-hmm. um, yeah, I just like, there, it's, it's, a, it's a really simple technique and, and uh, sometimes it can be really, uh, there are, I thought it was gonna be like the most surreal thing. I thought it was gonna be like lucid dreaming every time I did it. <laughs> And there are sometimes, like here and there, there will be really um, vivid kind of uh, surreal imagery that'll just come. I'm like, I don't even know where it comes from. And um, but then, just as quick as it comes, it'll it'll be gone, you know. So and, wow. and also sometimes you'll do it, and it and it'll you'll never have that. It's just it's different every time, just because they say that you know, physiologically we're different every time. We sit down to right I've been fascinated by it as well and what you just described that's happened to me in shavasana at the end of I tend to be best at meditating after a very vigorous yoga practice <laughs> otherwise my uh, otherwise that whole oh, thoughts come and go it's like I'm getting better at excusing my thoughts when they do show up but boy do I have a lot of them <laughs> so I find that really tiring out my body first uh, helps, but then I've experienced what you just described where it's like, it's, you're not quite in control of it. It's just like, once you can sink into that space, all of a sudden sometimes, and you can't control when, but like these amazing images and almost like formless concepts just sort of float on up and you're like, Whoa, I guess this is where I'm at now. Cool. <laughs> like, it happened, it happened early on. It happened like, you know, in the first week or two, it happened. And I was like, this is amazing. This is always going to be like this. And then like, you know, months will go by where it doesn't happen. Right. So, and, <laughs> out, of, out, of, out of the blue, it'll happen. And it's, um, it's really, just really powerful. And then something, it's, sometimes it can be hard to, like in the moment, you're like, this is great. Like, I, like, like I want to remember this and I want to like, you know, but sometimes I can't even recall what I, what the images were after. You know, it's so, yeah. it's, um, yeah. and it's strange because it's, they talk about how TM, you know, it, it, it tap into your unconscious and, uh, but at the same time, you're like, you're awake, you're not asleep, but you're deeply, you're deep within your subconscious rather. Um, and uh, it's a very, it's a very strange thing, kind of being deep within while also, like if somebody says something to you, you just open your eyes. And, yeah. Right. You know, you're right there. It sounds a bit like hypnotherapy in that way. Like, have you ever gone to a hypnotherapy session? I have not, no, but I, I, I would be open to it. It's cool. Um, one of my best friends does hypnotherapy and she, she guided me through a session just so I would know what it was like. And now I've been learning more about it. It, it felt similar to what you're describing, though obviously I haven't gone through transcendental meditation, so I can't, I can't speak to necessarily if it's exactly the same. But it's like you're, you're very uh, relaxed and open and able to access kind of like underlying narratives and underlying concepts that normally you wouldn't, but not in a threatening way. But it's like you're seeing kind of like the subscripts and bigger things that flow underneath kind of the content that might float to the top. Did that make yeah. sense? Yeah, for sure. Um, I found it to be a really cool experience and I was like, oh, I'd love to do that again. And now I'm like, hmm, this is the billionth time that transcendental meditation has popped up. Maybe I should check that out. And it sounds like from what you said that it was an investment, but it was worthwhile. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, I had fears that it was a cult or something, you know, before I learned uh, how to do it. And it's, you know, uh, like the way my teacher put it, she was like, she said, um, it'd be like the worst cult ever because we, we just we pay once at the beginning and then that's it. And then I, <laughs> like, I'm your teacher. I'm your teacher for life. And <laughs> so, um, that's, I thought that was, I thought that was <laughs> that'd be like we're a really poorly run cult <laughs> <laughs> and it's cool like um there are like you can take like uh, advanced techniques and like there's special classes you can take um after you get the initial uh training but you don't have to do that stuff i, I haven't done any of that stuff does and, the training have to be in person or is it yeah they well I'm not sure what they're doing now, but you know, everything is on Zoom. I guess they could, they, they, they could probably do parts of the teaching on Zoom. I'm not sure though. Yeah, we were trying, you know, the, the mantra that you are given, it's like a very secretive, and you're never supposed to say it aloud after you learn it. Mm -hmm. And, and we, we knew all about that before we learned it. And then once I learned mine, I was, I was like, what if, what if I don't like it? What if I don't, what if I don't like it? <laughs> I like, what if I get, the, what if I get the wrong one? What if I get the one I'm not supposed to have? And uh, our, our teacher just laughed. She just laughed at us. She was like, it's fine. I think you're fine. You know? That's so funny. I love that you only use it in that context though. Like spoken words have so much power that it's like, if you just said it willy nilly, it's just kind of like, well, where the power, where, where would the power go in those words? Right. That's yeah. fascinating. Yeah. So it was a, it was a, it was an interesting experience. Um, I'm really glad that, that we learned. It, it, ultimately, it's just like a, it's just like getting, um, like getting a power nap, you know, when, when I, when I do it, it's like kind of like a refresher. It's kind of like, and, and, it, um, you know, if I can't get to it, like, in the late afternoon, early evening, I'll do it at the very end of the day before I go to sleep, just to, mm -hmm. you know. Yeah, because that's, I think about like kind of carving out time for things because, so they recommend doing it's 20, 20 minutes and then 20 minutes, so that's total of 40 minutes. And I think about it, <laughs> I was like, my brain's like, oh, that's like doing a two-part workout. Okay, yeah, that could work. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, early on, I was like calculating you know, how many, how many days of doing this will it be before I reach a year's worth of time? Mm. Uh, and then, and then like by the time I'm 60, how many years will have gone by that wow. I've been doing this? And it was, you know, it was a significant amount of time that I will, I will have spent meditating, you know, when I, I, <laughs> yes. I was, it kind of freaked me out, but I was like, I, you know, I guess we, I guess we sleep, um, you know, like half of our lives or something. Yeah. Yeah. And like, it was interesting. I was talking to a client about sleep patterns that they were saying that they find that they actually feel most refreshed after about seven hours of sleep. And they were like, where did we get the eight hours of sleep thing from? And the more I delved into it, people have very different sleep patterns. Like it seems like there's actually different throughout history, like almost different sleep phenotypes is how I'd put it, where it's like some people really do better with like small bursts more frequently or kind of like shift sleeping and then others do best with like one long stretch of sleeping. Right. 
Yeah. Yeah. I I am not a morning person, but I've been <laughs> trying to make myself a morning person over this past year. I've really been trying. I read uh I read this book called The Miracle Morning. Have you heard about this? Um, as a patented not a morning person, I have not. Tell me. <laughs> <laughs> it's by this dude, uh, his name's Hal Elrod. And um, but it, it's just like a simple he 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 it's like kind of like a, a a a plan for action for, for making you a, a morning person. So, hmm. you know, I I was you know, it's like it's like you, you in the first hour when you wake up, you do I think there's uh, six different things you do. You do like affirmations, uh, visualizations, meditation, uh, writing, like journaling, mm-hmm. uh, and then exercise. I think that's all. I think that's all. But you're supposed to do it like, you know, basically like about 10 minutes each, give or take. Um, and I was getting up at like 5 a.m. doing that stuff for, a, a, you know, around a month. And then I just fell off and I, I, I try to get back and do it again. But because I, I, I always feel so good when I get, when I like get up like, you know, that early and see the sunrise, I just feel amazing. So. That's so funny because the first thought in my brain was like, is there wiggle room? Could you do all of those things? But like later in the morning? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess you can do it as soon as you wake up, whenever that is. Like, he doesn't say yeah. it, has to, it doesn't have to be five. Like, I, the first time I did it was, I think, six. And then I think that like, a few days later, I tried. I was like, well, let's try five. I've been feeling pretty because, I, because like, by the time I finished everything, it would be like, it'd be like, if I, if I got up at five, by the time I finished everything, for me, it'd be like 6 30. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. one on fun and I'm doing my 20 minute meditation. And, uh, and then I was like wide awake and had already done so much with my day. It was only 6.30, you know? So then I could just get in the studio and start working, you know, really early. And yeah. a lot by the time lunchtime rolled around, I, was, I feel like I've been super productive already. Yeah, I was going to say that sounds like, I mean, all of those things actually kind of describe my morning routine. It's just that it's not at 5 a.m. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's like kickstarting your day in a way. Uh, more for me at like you know, <laughs> nine a.m. If we're being optimistic, um, <laughs> but yeah. all of those things that get everything flowing. So, like you said, then you can hop into the studio because yeah, when you open all that stuff up, like I I almost get annoyed at how well it works to exercise um, because I'm like, ugh, this is so simple. Why is it so simple? There should be a complex reason. No, it's just that easy that when you move your body around, <laughs> yeah. you open yourself up. <laughs> then you can hop in with your instruments. Um, do you have a studio at home or do you have like an external space that you use? Or Yeah, we have uh, um, like in my backyard, there's a, uh, like a two-car garage that we, and I'm, I'm sitting in it right now, but we, we converted it. Um, when we when I, we moved in, it was like um, the previous owner had used it for like uh, they had like a kiln out here, and they were doing like pottery. Oh, interesting! Um, but it was it was completely exposed to the elements. Like the uh, the roof didn't quite touch the wall, so you could see the the light <laughs> get through there. Oh and, no! Uh, the garage door was kind of uh, hanging on by a thread, so when it snowed a lot, snow would get into the garage. Ooh. Uh, 
there, there were these really nice wooden doors that the previous owner had had built on the other side of the garage. So those doors are still there, but we had to completely um, we completely uh, insulated it, you know. And there was a, uh -huh. there was a, a sinkhole at the back, so you had to get to treat that and get the water away from the, the building. But it's a completely, you know, wall space. It's, you know, it's a two car garage, so it's a it, this is like Future Islands practice space these days. Um, it's like my, my home studio is out here. Like I have a little recording set up, mm -hmm. and, and then. Um, my wife is a she's a painter, so she'll she'll also paint out here. And oh, she, does, she does these huge floor paintings uh -huh. um, that take up like the, the entire floor. So usually, like if we're on tour, it's just she has free reign because all of our gear is out of here. But um, right right now, yeah, I'm, I need to I need to move the gear to the basement. <laughs> but, but um, yeah, because when she when she does a floor painting, it ha has to sit. Uh, and can't really be uh, touched at all for like three or four days. Right. Sometimes, sometimes five days. So it's just kind of a dead space when that happens. I'd imagine, yeah, if it's that large and if she's using a lot of paint, it needs to dry. Yeah. Sure. Oh my gosh. That's fascinating. It's really, really awesome. This is a really awesome space. We, I feel really fortunate to have this space here at the house. Yeah, especially if you can record while she's painting. Does she ever re like? Does she ever work on her visual art while you're recording? Or yeah, sometimes um, we uh, uh, well, sometimes we also we paint together. We've done like some collaborative paintings. Um, I studied. I have a I have a BFA in painting and drawing. Uh, that oh, I got. casual. <laughs> um, but I haven't. You know, I haven't really painted so much in the last couple of years, or I mean, after college, I stopped painting and was just focusing on music and touring with Future Islands. Mm -hmm. And uh, in the last couple of years, actually 2018, we, uh, or me and Elena worked, Elena's my wife's name, we worked on a, uh, we worked on a music video for Future Islands uh, for mm -hmm. the song called A Dream of You and Me, and it was all stop motion. And in part of that video, we, we made a painting together. Mm. And you can kind of watch the you can watch the painting uh, come alive as as we do it. We like would make a mark and then take a photo and then make mm -hmm. another mark. Mm -hmm. And that was the first time that we had painted together. And um, we did a couple we, we did a couple more and we got we ended up getting a commission from a, a, a family in uh, in Ontario who had seen our work and, and asked us to do them, but but they. The ones we had done were pretty small um, up to that point, and but he wanted pretty, uh, they wanted pretty large, like 30 by 40 at least. Oh, wow. Canvases. So we told him that we, we weren't sure if it could work, but we would try. Mm -hmm. And we did three experiments, and he liked them so much that he bought two of, two of the three he bought. Oh, wow. And so that kind of encouraged us to try to do a, an entire show, our collaborative paintings. Mm-hmm. So in so the, the, the video was made and uh, that was 2014. I think the I think the commissions were like 2017, and then in 2018 we did a we we put together a show um, that we the, the show was actually at a gallery down in, in Manio in the Outer Banks of North Carolina. Hmm. And the reason I'm getting to this is um, the, the one painting that we sold at that at that uh, show was. Um, 
it was actually a trade. We traded with this couple down there who owns a, some property, some, some mm -hmm. rental property. And they gave us, um, uh, we, they gave us one of their spots, like a three bedroom. Oh, wow. Uh, for, a, for a full month, the month of October, um, in exchange for a pain. So, <laughs> so, amazing. So that was, you know, we, that was orchestrated in the show was in uh, June. Um, and then we came back in October. So Future Islands went back on tour. Um, and then we, it was like, we, we played our last show of the Farfield tour was in New York City. And then we had, a, we came back to Baltimore, kind of packed our stuff, had one day in Baltimore. And then we went down to the Outer Banks and spent a month down there. Um, just, it was perfect because it was the end of the tour for yeah. time. I didn't have any, there was no, uh, there was, no, I was, it was kind of like off time. Right? There was no requirements for future islands at that right. time. So right. I, and, and, and so we set up in the uh, dining room at that place. We set up on the table. I had my little portable studio set up and she had her paints and stuff. Uh, she was doing watercolors mm -hmm. and like wash um, on the table. And we would often work at the same time that she would be doing paintings. She doesn't, she doesn't always do poor paintings. She also does, you know, just um, uh, not, they're not always large scale. They're like yeah. just with paint brush. Um, anyway, and, and that, that trip is where I, I wrote and recorded um, a big chunk of what would become uh, my solo album, uh, Postcard Music, which is what came out earlier this summer. Wow. I love the journey that that took and that it it's like all these interwoven threads of collaboration and then kind of self-exploration. It's crazy, right? <laughs> like, I love I love where that went. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, one of the paintings that she made uh, on that trip, um, we used it in the, it's on the, the insert for the, for the album. So, mm. it's, it's included in there. Um, but yeah, that, you were asking if we, if we paint and <laughs> I was like, that kind of story just appeals to me so much. I'm just like, and then everything dovetails together in this beautiful and strange way that you could have never anticipated from the start. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, um, yeah, just, I, 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 I was working on some just ideas and I, I musical ideas and I came across a couple of things that I felt like could stand up on their own. Um, uh, and I was like, maybe this could actually work on the solo record. Cause I, I, I didn't really, and that's kind of what I mean about um, just allowing myself the space to, to explore. Um, right. And cause I, I didn't really, I, I didn't know what I was going to create when I started creating songs. I just kind of start playing, you know, start, start playing around and kind of choose a path to see where it goes. Yeah, and it's like, it's it's that whole like opening yourself up in a way where it's like practicing being open to those possibilities even coming up. Sounds like it was really helpful. Yeah, for sure. I think meditation really helped me um, to uh, learn that skill. And that's fascinating. Like I think about when you were talking about like Future Islands obligations and in a way like, because that has a lot of structure to it. It's kind of like now that Future Islands is like, it's a known entity and quantity that you're like, oh, I know what this does, as opposed to your solo music, which you were like, I don't know yet. <laughs> like, right, right, yeah, yeah. 
And then part of the new Future Islands record, we were trying to break that, that kind of preconceived notion of we know what our roles are within the band or we know what this should sound like. We were trying mm -hmm. to, um, with this new record, we were really trying to experiment and kind of come at, come at songwriting from different angles um, in whatever ways we could, just really kind of pushing the edges of it. Um, yeah. And thinking about what you're talking about, collaborating with your wife as well, that it's like almost taking on different roles can help you find new things. Like I was talking to the guys from Local Natives about this as well, about like either, oh, I think it was Nick that was talking about um, basically trying to like record each other's parts or record even without hearing each other's parts, but like even playing different instruments and then like not hearing what your bandmates are doing, like just like shaking it up in different ways to get out of like the previous modes of thinking. <laughs> yeah. yeah, totally. Yeah, we were, we were uh, just trying all kinds of different things. Um, and like, you know, uh, you know, everyone was kind of throwing ideas into the, into the, you know, like check out this idea. I guess into the pot, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and just you know, uh, sometimes you push an idea as far as it can go, and it doesn't end up um, getting released, and that's also fine. You know, it's 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 all like we're learning as we go from all these all these. Things. I mean, even the album title for the, the Future Islands record, uh, as long as you are, that that's the title of a song that we've been kind of working on since 2015. <laughs> It's still, we worked on it for this album and it still just didn't make the cut. But, but Isn't the that title, the weirdest feeling when like you were working on something and I've had that happen too, or there are songs I've been working on on and off for years and like, you're like, eh, it's just not quite there yet. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and sometimes, uh, well, sometimes we'll, we'll all agree like this song is dead, like this idea is dead and we'll just kind of set it aside and won't worry with it anymore. But some songs never get that stamp and they just keep kind of popping up and we keep trying to work it. And um, yeah, sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. I mean, like uh, there's also, there's two songs on our new record that are um, that are from 2015, you know, that are s similar. Like they, they've been around, so they've been ideas that have been kind of floating um, mm -hmm. since 2015 and, and they finally made this album. I just made like a cute little fist bump. Like, I'm like, they made it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they made it through. It's always exciting when one makes it through. Right. <laughs> Especially one that's been around for so many, so many years. You're like, oh, yeah, this one wasn't forgotten about. So. Right, right. Some of them are very persistent. There's actually, uh, sorry, there's actually three songs on the on the new record that are that was in 2015 but so they usually practice like you guys usually practice at your space but what are you doing now like do you live in the same place are you able to see each other during this time or uh we haven't gotten together to play music um we we did mix the entire record uh over zoom mm -hmm. which, but, um, not as bad as it sounds actually there's a there's a program, I think the program is called Audio Movers, and it ba basically links up the, from the studio soundboard yes. over, over, over the internet, and you can yes. hear really high quality. That's what I did with my mixer for two songs during this time, that it's like, he would play it in his studio, and I could listen to it, like, on my monitors, what he was doing live. Yeah, and it's, it was, I think it was great for, for us, because, you know, we could hear this stuff, and, um, 
you know, he gave us, we had the mixes and then we sat with him for a while. Then we, then we, then we would jump on and we'd say, you know, tonight we're going to mix these two or three songs. And so you would just make your notes for those songs and then talk about it that night when we got together. And it was, it was a very diplomatic way for us. Um, instead of in the, in the studio, in the moment, sometimes you're like, pull up this song real quick. I want to try this. And it, um, or, or just like you say the first thing that you think about a mix. Yeah. And, and that can cause fights sometimes. That's, I would imagine that, yeah, like I just thought of that, that when I'm mixing, it's just me and my mixer. And so the only fight would be like, you know, Spider-Man versus Spider-Man with myself. Right. <laughs> but, but with a band. <laughs> and then I had, it was, I'm used to having, I'm used to collaborating with others to be like, well, what do you think? Right. You know, and I didn't really have that with my solo record. And so, so uh, I actually recorded my record. You know, I mixed it with the same the same engineer uh, who who Future Islands was working with. So, mm -hmm. um, so we already had this kind of we had a it was, it was kind of like almost mixed around the same time. Like I finished oh, my solo, I finished my solo record just before um, we we mixed this Future Islands record. But um, he ended up being like I was like I could bounce ideas off of him. And he would say, right. Let's right. try it, or he would say, Let's, I don't think we should try it. Yeah, <laughs> I just needed yes. another opinion to, to weigh in, you know, on yeah. certain things. Especially, it sounds like a lot of your experience with music has been collaborative. And so I'm like, oh, that would be, I guess, like, what was it like to then do so much of it on your own, given that your background really was like working with Future Islands? Yeah, I think I. I think I'm, I'm, I definitely learned a lot um, through the process. Um, it, was, it was it was challenging, um, but I think you know I, I, I yeah I, I don't know it was it was a challenge, but I and because because Steve Steve is the engineer I worked with and he kept saying he I would ask him something and he would say William this is your album <laughs> it can be whatever you want it to be and it, it just it just kind of he kind of he kind of just kept saying that to me throughout the process. <laughs> uh, I wasn't used to I wasn't used to, I'm much more comfortable uh, collaborating with others, you know. So it, it got me out of my comfort zone and made me just make some decisions, you know. Right, because then that is like it's almost like the danger of choice, where you have all the choices available, but then you're like, oh no, everything's available. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I played the record for um, for my bandmates. You know, I was like, "What do you guys think about this?" Um, you know, I got some got some feedback from them, and, and I, I I did a, a few um, live shows um, with the solo stuff. I, I was hoping to do some some touring after the record came out uh, this year, but it's, it hasn't been possible yet. Yeah, I was gonna say, how does it? I've been talking to artists about that, like lifestyle shift, especially for artists who are more touring than studio. And it's like, now everyone is, well, in the studio. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like, uh, yeah, Rightway Studios, which is where we recorded uh, the new Future Islands, a lot of mix, the solo record. Um, he's like, he's been booked solid ever since yeah. the pandemic hit. Like, everyone is in the studio. Yeah, yeah. And like some people have spoken to the fact that it's been really positive. Other people said that they felt kind of disoriented because they're so used to being on tour that now they're like, why am I still in the same place? Yeah, I, we, I, I definitely miss it. 
I know that all of us in Future Islands miss it. We, we were supposed to be going on tour starting, I think, uh, September. We, were supposed, we had we had a tentative tour book starting, you know, early to mid uh, September. Um, it was going to go through the new year, and that got pushed back, um, back in like you know, back in March, and then. We have we have dates currently in the in the winter and spring of 2021, but I don't think we don't think they're going to happen. We don't know quite yet, but yeah, it's, it's looking like everything's going to get pushed back. And, and 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 it's kind of becoming clear to me that uh, this new Future Islands record might be the first record that we won't be able to tour. You know, like um, so we're we're talking about just starting to we, we've already got some songs written that we've written during this time and we've got a bunch of ideas we're working on and uh we'd like to just go ahead and try to start working on the next record whatever that's going to sound like and, and who knows maybe it'll come out before you're even able to tour again right right and it's thinking of different ways to to spread the music because it does sound like when you talked about for instance like when you when you got your degree in fine art and then started doing feature island stuff it sounded like you guys started touring almost right away or started to play live right away yeah yeah i mean I, we, we, we were going on tour a lot um even back back then then the three of us me sam and garrett had a band uh called art lord and the self-portraits that was uh that was a that, that was our band in college mm -hmm. um that band broke up that band formed in 2003 and broke up in 2005 and um and then Future Islands formed a few months later in early 2006. And oh. um, I graduated uh, like later on in 2006. But I, I remember at one point towards the end of, I maybe had like two more semesters left or one more semester left. And my, my, one of my professors said, why don't you just drop out and do music? It's really clear to me that all you want to do is the band. Yeah. <laughs> like you're uh, you're right but uh i've only got you know x number of classes left anyway and um and i i, I wanted to get a degree you know i love but, that your professor called you out on that by the way yeah it was it was cool, it was cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah like we, we we were just eager to to get on the road and, um we had had uh we had seen through friends who like booked themselves and just got out there and toured that it was possible. Like if we just had to get out there and do it to to to, to be able to to be a band, you know. Like um, we learned through our, our friends Valiant Door, they, mm -hmm. they were some of those guys went to went to um, East Carolina University where we went, mm -hmm. and uh, and also Dandy. Um, we we met Dan. Uh, early like on this first his first tour ever it was like a like a five or six day tour and we played together in Greenville North Carolina oh with him and he would always come through and he he toured more than anyone we, we were we were meeting lots of lots of DIY bands who, who were booking themselves and we kind of uh I, I kind of um I was one of the contacts people would reach out to to book a house party in our town mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. like um, I, we, I was we were meeting lots of different bands, but Dan was coming through so regularly. It was it was amazing, and, and his tours were like you know at first they were like a week or two, and then really quickly it became like a 
two month tour or one month, two months. And he was just gone doing the whole country. And he had booked wow. the whole thing himself. And, um, and he really took us under his wing and kind of showed us how, it, how to do it. And, and he, he took us on a two week tour. That was our, our longest tour to date. And it really opened a lot of doors for us and kind of showed us that, yeah. that we could do it. And that's, I'm so glad that you had like kind of your, your guide through that. My mind was like, oh, you had your Virgil. <laughs> I'm a very big nerd. Um, but to have someone show you that that's possible, because I think like touring especially is difficult when you first start doing it and booking your own tour is like so much work goes into that, that to have someone that can show you like, oh, it is possible. Then you're like, oh, okay, this is hard, but I also know I can do it. Yeah, yeah, totally. And we, you know, we got turned down by, we got turned down by so many labels and managers and booking agents, all this stuff um, for like, just over and over. Like we, we, our first album, we uh, were lucky enough to put it out on Upset the Rhythm mm -hmm. in the UK. And, and, and that was a connection that was made through Dan. Um, and then that allowed us to tour in in the UK and Europe, but, but the album wasn't even available in the US. So it was only, it was like an import CD if you wanted uh -huh. to get it. Like uh -huh. And then we, and then we got signed to Thrill Jockey. Um, and we we're like, this is awesome. We're going to, we're going to, we're going to get a booking agent probably. And then we talked, we, we did talk with some booking agents, but nobody, nobody, nobody wanted to, to pick us up. <laughs> and, then, and then eventually we got, we got picked up by a booking agent, but um, we just we just kind of kept our heads down and kept working hard and we're like okay we'll just keep we'll just keep touring yes just, but that, that's what we know like we know we don't know the at the time we didn't know the business side of it you know we didn't know yeah. the, the label side of manager side agents or whatever that was all like kind of another language stuff so we understood the hard work of just getting out there on the road and and just just doing it you know and, and meeting people in real life you know just, right you know, well, uh, uh, going uh, city to city, you know, instead of like door to door. I guess. Right, right. Well, it's making, uh, I mean, it's so interesting talking to you about this, especially that you then had such a different process making your record that felt like a very insular, not private experience, but like kind of a internal experience as opposed to what went on with Future Islands, which is literally just like connecting with people in city after city, because that's like a very visceral in-person external process. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And, and something that I, I, I read, I think I read this, I think it's from the book, uh, Please Kill Me. I think, I think it's a Didi Ramon quote. Mm -hmm. or, and it's, he said, you know, don't wait until you're any good before you leave your garage. And <laughs> I haven't, haven't been able to find the quote since. I, I was actually talking about that yesterday. And I, maybe, just, maybe I'll just pick up another copy of that book and try to just go through it and try to find that quote. Because I, People always ask us what our advice is to young bands, and that is something that I've said ever since we've been asked that question. I tell people, don't wait until you're any good to, to get out there and start playing. I mean, we we definitely did not wait. You know, I think I, and I think you learn you learn so much more playing in front of people than you do playing the same song over and over in a rehearsal space. Right, you know? right. Because because it forces you to just kind of go like power through and just go through to the end like even if you mess up just keep you know if you fumble just get up and keep running 
Yep. (laughs) And I kind of, I'm realizing I kind of got my own lesson. At one point last year, I was working on, um, I was working on my solo album and I I ran into uh, Alex um, from Beach House and he was just asking what I was up to. And I I told him that I was um, working on some solo stuff. And uh, about a month later, uh, he, he wrote me and said that they had a show coming up in Baltimore and was asking if uh, I'd be interested in opening with my oh. solo. And I had, you know, I'd planned on doing some live um, stuff with, with once the album came out, but um, I, was, I was still kind of mixing it and doing overdubs at that time. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was just, it was, uh, it was just a really good opportunity for me to, 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 try to perform these songs live. And when he asked me, I had no idea how I would do it <laughs> at all. But I said, okay. I was like, yeah, yeah, okay, let's do yeah. it. And, and I just sort of, I, I figured out a way that works, you know, and maybe it'll change, you know, but I, but I think that even doing that show and I, and I forced myself to play a show, like a, a warm-up show before that, I wanted my first show to be in the Outer Banks because the album kind of started down there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was actually there for a wedding just before the Beach House show. So it just worked out that I could, I, I, the day after the wedding, the day after my friend's wedding, I just uh, booked a show down there and then came up and played the show in Baltimore. And um, uh, it, it just, the, the experience of playing those shows really helped inform uh some decisions that I made on the on the record you know like the way that, the way that it was mixed and it, it all it's all kind of connected and, it, and I think it, I've, if, if I've learned one thing it's it's really important to do things that um just to get out of your comfort zone do things that make you uncomfortable yeah. I feel like I, I learned so much when I, when I do that you know yeah, knowing knowing that there's a difference between discomfort and pain and that like actually discomfort can be a good thing in a way <laughs> that being said, I was, I was nervous as crap about this uh, podcast interview. Uh, oh. <laughs> oh, I still get nervous before I talk to people. It's the same way when I go to play a show as well. That like I, I have these thoughts in my head. Like, am I going to forget how to play the piano? Will I forget how to use words? Like, <laughs> just like each time that even though I enjoy both of them, like podcasting and playing live, it's like right before I do them, I have this moment of like, who are you to do this? And I'm like, I don't know, I'm just going to do it. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, why not? Why not me? I don't get so nervous with Future Islands these days. Um, the most nervous I get is when, whenever we play on television. Oh. Uh, but but the, the, the thing that, that makes me really nervous is, uh, you know, I have like a, I don't have like a ton of pedals, but I've got, I've got enough pedals that if one of my patch cables decides to not work, yeah. it is really hard to figure out which one it is. Yes. So, and there have been times where that happens and my bass just completely cuts out and I have <laughs> to like, I have to oh, I just, I just, you know, I just, I just go directly into the amp pretty much and uh, oh, no. I pass all my pedals it's uh, <laughs> a nightmare I know that's happened that, that's happened at, you know at festivals in front of like thousands and thousands of people and I'm just like ah. and then it, you know when you, you touch the cable that is acting up and it just makes a kind of a crackle fuzz yep. really yep. really loud and, and oh yeah 
PAs. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, and, and you can't explain to, like, hundreds of thousands of people, sorry, my patch cable's bad. One second. <laughs> yeah, and I, uh, I, the same thing happened to me at one of my um, solo shows. It was, it was a, it wasn't, it wasn't, it, was, it wasn't a huge show. It was a, it was a, a very lightly attended show in Richmond, Virginia, but I, um, I've only played, like, maybe four or five times solo ever. Oh, um, and then the last year um, since I started doing it, but uh, the same thing happened where um, sound just completely cut out during right. the song. And, it, and, and in that instance, it was just me up there. Uh, I guess there, there was a backing track playing, but what I was doing completely cut out. And, um, and in that instance, it ended up being uh, the, something about the pedal that wasn't working. And, and I learned my lesson, which was, don't use vintage pedals live. Like, <laughs> yeah. use, like, some new pedal that does what the vintage pedal does. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah, I'm staring actually right now at my keyboards being like, you're never leaving my studio because if I even dare move you, I know that there's going to be a little circuit that's just like, mm, I'm not going to work anymore. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> I respect people who use like, especially I was looking at, oh, what's his face? Um, James Blake uses so many analog synths on stage. And I'm like, you are a bold man, sir. <laughs> yeah, it leaves too much up, to, up to, to risk and so much can just go wrong. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like, any one of those could just be temperamental. I know mine are temperamental. <laughs> like, yeah. like, a buddy of mine who was he, he was a he was an assistant engineer on the Future Islands record. And, um, he's been helping me with sound and stuff with my solo um, when I when I play live. And and he was the one. Uh, his name's Paul. He, he was like, dude, stop using these vintage pedals. It won't happen anymore. So, <laughs> like that week, I, I literally um, just I was like, okay, and I just got a better, you know, got a better yeah. new delay pedal. I was using some old Yamaha delay. Oh, in the eighties, and it just it just um, decided not to work. And I got it home, and it works fine now. So I don't even. Know. Of course, of course, it's like if you just like look at it funny. I remember being at clubs, going to club shows when I was like in high school, and seeing you know being up close to the stage and seeing the band, and and, they, and this is like back in the late, you know, late nineties, early two thousands, and and I remember seeing vintage gear. And just thinking it was so cool to see like just old synthesizers and old pedals. Um, but maybe they weren't, I guess, because it was so long ago, they weren't as vintage then. <laughs> maybe that's <laughs> <laughs> I think you have just uncovered the mystery. <laughs> that was the mystery yeah. I just solved my own riddle. There you go. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> I remember feeling the same way, like seeing seeing up close, and I'll never forget uh, being up close at a Toriyama show and seeing her Bosendorfer up close. That to me was like one of the best experiences of my young life and has informed my extremely picky taste in pianos ever since. Um, yeah. But yeah. Today's new is tomorrow's vintage. Exactly, exactly. Like in the back of my mind, I was thinking about that almost so that this time has given you time and space to return back to solo practice and in a way like led you back to visual art, strangely enough, in the last few years. 
It has, yeah. And I, I, I have some some pieces that I've been working on, um, uh, some like collages. I need to get back into the into the, the visual realm to, to to work on them. I haven't. I just haven't pulled out pulled them out. But but, but um, I have them hanging up here in the studio, um, which is good because it gives me ideas for what I can what what I, what I want to do to them. You know, right. They were just like hiding. Um, I had them kind of just in the corner, and uh, Elena thought they should just be out so we could see them. So, so they're just. Yeah, I've got a couple here. I'm looking at them right now. I, I, I'd like to, to um, you know, eventually have my own solo show of like paintings and collages. Ooh, that will happen at some point. Now, I, I had this idea. A while ago to do a show entirely of like, paintings of flowers and I started it really you know, I went in like yeah we're gonna do this I'm gonna do a, a different bouquet each month and that was in January of maybe 2018 20, yeah, 2017 2018 mm -hmm. and I, I did one painting of flowers it's a cool painting but I, I, <laughs> I should do some more you know Maybe that's all you felt compelled to do right then. Yeah, that was it. I like the idea of having the having the images around you, though, so that that way they're more present in your mind. Because it's one thing to know that they exist, but it's another to then try and call them to mind and see what they might need, as opposed to having them already present, so that it might flow more easily. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely. I have some ideas right now of what I might what I might do. Maybe, maybe this conversation will be what inspires me to pull them off the wall and start working on them some more, pushing them, pushing them yeah. further along, along their path. Well, it's like those little stubborn songs that you're like, they made it onto the album. <laughs> it took a while to get there, but they were, they were like, no, you still have to pay attention to me. It is like that. Cause it's not like, we weren't like literally working on the songs since 2015, but the initial idea was from 2015 and then we would pull it out to the light of day and then put it back into the vault, you know. So these, <laughs> these have been made and they've been hidden from the light of day. Um, and then um, they're, now that they're on the wall, they're, they're back into my uh, consciousness. Exactly. They're like, you're staying put, so you better pay attention to us. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm excited to see what they turn out as. Now I'm like really curious to see them. I'm like, obviously over Zoom, um, I just record the audio for the podcast, but now I'm like, oh, I want to see. That sounds exciting to have. Like, I'm, I'm always curious when it's like this half, like I like sketches for that reason. It's like, I, I like to see where things start. I think that's why sometimes I have a fondness for demos too, where it's like, yeah. I like to see like the kernel of ideas. Yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's one of these collage pieces that I started from the same batch that uh, that is, I think it's complete. And I, I put it up on my Instagram um, a few months ago. Um, I think I said on there that this one feels like it is ready to be seen or something like that. <laughs> um, so She's that, ready for her debut. And, and that one is it's hanging up in our house right now. Um, ah, that one ascended to house. Yeah, I didn't put it there. Elena, Elena hung it. I was like, I think this should be in the house, but it's there currently. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I think it's good to live with the, the art a little bit before you 
for me, it's important to live with them a little bit before I can uh, say it's done or send, send it off. Uh, yeah. Or, or sell it or something. And it's the same way with us and and our mixes. You know, I think it's important to like work on a mix and then kind of live with the mix a little bit and listen yeah. to it, different settings, different, different occasions, different speakers, and um, just see if anything, see if you want to change anything. Let's see if anything reveals itself that maybe could be better. That's at least that's how I, my process. That is that that's very familiar to me. Yeah, I think that was part of what we we overlooked that part of the process on the last Future Islands album on the far field. We mm -hmm. uh, the mixing of that record was just. I think that I think the mixing of that record is really where I understood uh, that. That, that this part of the process of living with the mixes for a while is a, is a really, really important part of the process for, for all of us. Um, and because that record was uh, recorded, mixed, and mastered in less than six weeks. Really, oh it was written. It was written before that. It was rehearsed and everything. But, but the, the actual, um, you know, uh, the actual production of the record was very quick. And it was done entirely while we were we, we lived in Los Angeles while we did it mm -hmm. and um and it wasn't until like the, the record was mastered and turned in I think it was turned into the label and we got back to Baltimore and it just to me it, it sounded like a completely different album wow you know, like once we got back I was like whoa like we needed to I need to, it's, I needed to like spend time with it um you know in sort in familiar surroundings familiar yeah i think it's the same kind of thing it's like um i think it's a similar thing i've, I've mentioned this before I, I don't smoke weed anymore but when i used to smoke weed you know you get high at your house and then you smoke weed somewhere else that you have never smoked weed <laughs> you, smoke, you smoke the same amount but you get so much higher because you're you're not you're like in different surroundings. There's so much more sensory information to take in, and you're like, oh no. <laughs> but it was a similar thing, like just the coming back to where I was familiar with the way music sounds, and like, you know, in, 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 more than just the speakers, I think it was also just like in my environment that I'm used yeah. to in my yeah. in my house, and and it just it just felt different. It didn't feel right. No. That is, that's a really funny comparison. And as an LA native in California, and I'm like, yes, that's, that's an apt metaphor. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> and yeah, that idea of it sounds like in general, that you've really come to terms with kind of like how to sit with things, even like your practice of meditation, and then letting ideas come to the surface and sitting with mixes and then like bringing out the old collages. I'm like, I think that overall, like, yes, you should play out before you feel you're ready, but also, yes, sit with your ideas because you don't know what's going to foment over time. Yeah, totally. Totally. And things will, things will change, like the way like your perception of things will yeah. shift. You know? Yeah. Both visually and, you know, uh, what is it, orally? Like your ears? Yeah, yeah. The AU, the AU aural. <laughs> yes. Yes. I was like, those are good life lessons. I'm like, that's that's a good place to be like, yes, these things. Pay attention to these things. 
Oh, well, thank you for spending time with me on Why Not Both. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was, uh, this was awesome. Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode. Thank you.